Well, happy Thursday, everybody. We've got a great conversation lined up for today's podcast. But before we jump into that, I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to us by our good friends over at Pro Media Fire. I love these guys. They're providing a really practical service that I know so many of our churches uh, need, and I would love for you to check out as we really go get ready for this fall. There's this hilarious YouTube video of these two young people trying to dial a rotary phone. It's four minutes long, and they, and they have just four minutes to do that. And as you can imagine... Uh, Uh, These 17-year-olds are unable to figure out how to dial a rotary phone. Now, this isn't uh, a video trying to make fun of young people. What it is is an example of how things have changed and how we communicate has changed. And, you know, we live in a media generation. People are consuming more content online than ever before. If your church is not speaking the language of media, this is like great graphics, great video, then you are leaving your people behind in the same way uh, that these young people don't know how to use this uh, rotary phone. That's why you need to partner with our friends at Pro Media Fire. They are going to take your church to the next level. Uh, Their team of graphic designers and video editors will create custom videos and graphics for you to use each month at at crazy. It's actually ridiculously low rate. All right, I want you to take some action here. Our friends at Pro Media Fire have a free report on the seven digital church trends of 2019. Listen, we're more than halfway through this year. If you have not read this report yet, you are being left behind already. Make sure you check out the seven digital church trends report at, it's really simple, ProMediaFire.com forward slash unseminary. That's ProMediaFire.com slash unseminary. All right, friends, I really do want you to check them out this month. It really would be good for you to do. And let's listen in to today's interview. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you've decided to tune in today to put us in your earbuds. You're going to be rewarded for that today. We've got a fantastic conversation with Matt Pyland. He is the executive pastor at Bethlehem Church. This is a fantastic church uh, that you really should be uh, following along with. It's 110 years old, which puts it in uh, really this uh, of the oldest churches we've had on the podcast. I feel like lots of times we talk to people who are like celebrating their fifth anniversary and they can't believe that they're still together. Uh, but here we are, you know, over 110 years old. Uh, a fantastic church that was in decline, but then really has, you know, in a, been a, a part of an amazing turnaround and some really cool things going on. Uh, so Matt, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Uh, Rich, great to be with you. So I'm humbled. No, I'm, I, we're honored to, that you're, you're with us on the show today. Why don't you tell us kind of a little bit about the church? Give us a sense for maybe people that would show up this weekend or, or kind of give us a sense of the, the, the history of the church, that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, we always say history matters. Uh, you marry into history. Uh, history is part of your story, part of who you are. Um, it matters moving forward. Uh, that's true of Bethlehem Church. Uh, we are a church, as you said, that's 110 years old. Uh, seven uh, years ago, actually it's eight years now, Pastor Jason Britt uh, took on uh, the senior position at uh, Bethlehem Church, and it was a declining church that ran about two or 300 people. Uh, so if you think traditional pink pew chandeliers, uh, you, you can probably picture it. Uh, that's where Bethlehem Church was. Uh, fast forward eight years, uh, we're a church that runs about 4,000, uh, has two campuses, and in the process of a third campus right now that will launch 
uh, prayerfully in August, uh, if we can get mm, everything cool. done. So we're, <laughs> we're excited about what God's doing here. And it's been a ride. It's been a fun ride. We've learned a lot uh, mm. and we have a lot to learn. Nice. Very cool. Why don't you give us a sense of your role? Give us the scope of it. Kind of think about executive pastor role. It's it's one of those, although we can kind of cover similar things, uh, it's all a little bit nuanced. So give us a sense of kind of what does that seat look like for you guys? Yeah, you know, we we joke around uh, in my family that I'm executive pastor. Uh, when Pastor Jason came to me about two and a half years ago and approached me about uh, being the executive pastor, I was working uh, at a church uh, 12 Stone Church, where I'd been there mm-hmm. for seven years and was currently serving as the uh, campus pastor. And, um, you know, my first impression was uh, I'm more senior pastor wiring than executive pastor wiring. Mm-hmm. And um, Jason said something that that completely flipped my thinking. He said, here's what I need. I need someone I can trust, someone who can preach and someone who can lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love all three of those things. And so one of the unique things about the way God has wired me is I love to preach. I love to teach, but I also love to lead. I love to be in the Mm -hmm. nuance of relationships. I love the grittiness of relationships and and coaching and leading people and learning from people. And so uh, we prayed about it for three months. I just said, give me three months to pray about it. And God kind of confirmed that through some channels and called him up and said, hey, I think we want to take the next step. So um, really, my primary role here is that I am the executive pastor of uh, what we would probably define as ministries and leadership. Um, mm-hmm. Also serve as a teaching pastor, which means 10 to 12 times a year uh, I'm preaching. So it is a great role. I get to coach and, and lead staff and be involved in their lives. And it's just a, it's a great season for us. Hmm, very cool. Well, I can imagine, you know, being in that seat in a fast growing church is demanding. You know, it's a it's a lot to carry. I wonder, you know, when you reflect kind of even on your own, you know, what you're learning growing in that area, what would you say maybe are some of the 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 biggest areas of growth or maybe areas where you've been stretched and and what are you learning in the midst of that? Sure. That's a great, great question. Um, I am a preacher's kid. grew up a preacher's mm-hmm. kid. So my dad's pastor. Uh, all I've ever known is a lo- local church. Uh, love the local church, passionate about the local church. It's it's what I've given my life to uh, and what I will do until, until the Lord takes me away. And so with that, I've been around the local church for a long time. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you know, I think if you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you still love the church, that's that's a pretty good thing. So uh, I've served in many different uh, capacities, uh, about 13 years as a student pastor, uh, worked with some great leaders, uh, Dan Ryland at 12 Stone Church, Kevin Myers, who's a senior pastor at uh, 12 Stone, uh, uh, James Merritt, who uh, was um, the senior pastor at uh, First Baptist Snellville, and then Crosspoint mm-hmm. Church, which I helped him launch. And so I've been around some great leaders and I've been uh, fortunate to learn uh, a lot from them. And obviously you take away a lot um, in those in those relationships and just being around. And I would say, you know, one of the things that that we have learned uh, in this in the growth process at Bethlehem Church is, number one, we don't have all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. And, you know, we always say that, that we're, we're more oppor- opportunistic than we are strategic. Uh, and I think for some of us, when you think fast growing, you think highly strategic, and uh, we're, we're a little bit more on the opportunistic side. But, um, <laughs> you know, I would say in all of that and all the the history that God has given us, um, you know, getting a chance to, uh, to apply that to a fast growing church, you know, um, is has been profound in my life. But I have learned that there's much to be learned. 
Hmm. So now when you think about, so the, I, I totally, I love the dichotomy or the kind of not dichotomy, but the two different ways of thinking about strategic versus oppor- opportunistic. And, um, you know, I know, uh, leading in a, in an environment that, um, is, you know, does kind of lean a bit more opportunistic that can generate a little bit of tension <laughs> because mm-hmm. there can, can be the, like, well, we were going in this direction, but then we saw this other thing, and um, okay, so we're going to go there now. It, is that c- the kind of thing that happens at Bethlehem, or just everything's perfect there, and you never have those kinds of you know you know those situations come up? <laughs> well, uh, funny you should say that because uh, we don't like to sit on our hands around here. I mean, we're experiencing everything is up into the right for us right now. We want to we want to maximize the the, the growth season. Uh, our senior pastor uh, Jason is uh, is a driver. Uh, he wants mm-hmm. to take new territory. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're an Enneagram person, he's a three on the Enneagram. And so he's a, he's a performer, he's a driver. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he wants to, uh, he wants to see us move forward. And I, I am similar, similar in the way I'm wired. Um, I've always been a part of churches that are, that are probably uh, growing or fast growing churches, large churches. I've never pastored a small church before. Um, and so there's some uh, there's some advantages and disadvantages to that, uh, but but we we want to move forward. And when you're when you're opportunistic, when you are uh, about revitalization, which is something that is uh, in our DNA, and so the churches that uh, the campuses that we have are part of revitalization processes. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, it takes some patience and it takes some waiting on God. And so mm-hmm. what we found is um, when we're waiting, 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 and we decide, you know, we, we need to take a step of faith. And we've, we've done that. We've taken a step of faith, identified an area where a lot of our people are, and we would love to put a campus. And we, mm-hmm. we said, okay, there, there's nothing that's popped up from a revitalization standpoint or, or a church that's declining or that wants to mm-hmm. be a part of Bethlehem Church. You know, let, let's look at land. Let's look at building. Well, that's very expensive, and um, you know that's really not who we are. But we decided, hey, we're gonna we're gonna take a step of faith here. As soon as mm-hmm. we did that, an opportunity came in another county that we uh, that we were interested in as well. So hmm. we very said cool. yes to that, and we said no uh, to the plans that we had put into place. And we just we trust God uh, that He is He's got the ultimate plan for us. Hmm. Interesting, fascinating. Well, I know in, a, in part of your role um, as a um, as an executive pastor is overseeing staff and overseeing kind of the management of people. There's folks that are listening in that maybe are new in that role and and can find uh, sometimes that kind of oversight thing can be difficult to do, um, particularly when maybe you come to conflict situations. How, what are you learning in overseeing your staff, and then ultimately not just the people that report to you, but then pushing that through the culture of the church because you want that to not just be hey the people that work for you are feeling happy, but, and performing well, but what about for the rest of the church? What are, what are, what are you learning on that front? Sure. Well, let me say one of the things I learned early on is, um, there's vision, structure, and staff. You know, your vision determines the direction you're going to go. Um, your structure and strategy determine the path you're going to take, but, but your staff determines if you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we focus more on the vision. We, we focus on the structure. We forget the staff. The staff becomes an afterthought. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for our staff, uh, we pour a lot into our staff. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, uh, I, I pour a lot into them, uh, both emotionally, uh, both with uh, my schedule and then also in leadership. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that I've lived by and I was taught by um, Pastor Dan Ryland is is to want more uh, for people than from people. Mm, and so that, that's become a motto in my life. So when I think about staff, I want more 
for them than from them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's interesting. The um, uh, it, it was uh, last week that it, it was a I was on a a guys trip and some pastor friends that we grew up together and we're all pastors and we mm-hmm. get together once every couple of years and in uh, where I grew up in the great state of Louisiana uh, mm-hmm. on the bayous. And we were, uh, we were spending time together because it was a rainy day. And we, we decided to watch Band of Brothers, one of our, uh, oh, nice. one of our pastor, uh, one of my friends, and he's a pastor, had never seen it. So we decided we we're going to watch the whole 10 hours in one day, which is a lot to oh, take in God. if you've seen it before. Uh, but there, there was a conversation that sticks out, Rich, and I say this because I'm going to bring this to our staff next week. Mm-hmm. And we're in a we're in a process of centralization, and that's another conversation. Uh, but there was a conversation between Dick Winters, uh, if you remember the character, um, and Buck. And Buck, uh, forget his last name. I think um, I think it was Buck Compton. But there's a conversation where uh, Dick Winters is looking at Buck Compton, and he's saying, "Listen, you can't gamble with these men." And basically, what Buck was trying to do is he's trying to get to know the men he was going to lead. Mm. The problem with it and what Dick was pointing out in his life is he said, look, he, he gets down to the essence and he, he asked Buck the question. He says, what if you would have won? Mm. Mm. What if you would have won? Mm. And Buck stops and he looks at him. And he said, never put yourself in a position where you take anything from these men. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem in leading a staff, Rich, is that um, a lot of leaders um, take from their staff. Mm. And I never want to put myself in a position where I'm taking anything from our staff. I I want to always put myself in a position where I'm serving them. Um, You know, so many times we will, um, will we, we will use our staff to try to, uh, to negotiate our way up the top of the the ladder uh, Mm -hmm. of success. And it's interesting to me that um, uh, while we determine, you know, um, our, our own rights, Jesus laid aside his rights. And while we're mm-hmm. trying to, to climb the ladder, Jesus was descending the ladder. Um, and I think with a staff culture, you have to create that. And so we do that in a couple of ways real quick. Um, uh, we do a monthly leadership development group where I personally teach our staff and pour into them leadership. And we say the same thing every single week. Listen, with one ear for yourself and one ear for the team that you use or that you lead. Um, And so ultimately what we pour into them, we want them to pour into the staff that they leave and the volunteers and leaders. So Mm -hmm. very cool. Um, Now what happens if, you know, you end up, so I, I, first of all, I love the proactive, just to underline that. I love the proactive of like gathering folks together. What would be some of the kind of topics that you would be doing this monthly um, engagement would give us a sense of that kind of a flavor of what that looks like. Yeah, sure. Great question. Uh, a lot of times uh, it's seasons that we're in. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, uh, I just did one on, um, uh, you know, problems to be solved and tensions to be managed. Uh, you know, <laughs> right. you, can't, you, you can't solve tensions and you can't uh, manage problems. And so um, knowing the difference and helping our staff uh, execute that in their area of leadership and uh, ministry. Uh, we often take books uh, and we work through books. Um, mm, yeah, and so uh, from and there's been some great books uh, that we, we've taken our staff through. Um, and, you know, it's just uh, it's really feeling the season that you're in. We're in a high growth season where most of our staff have never led at the level that they're at, uh, the number mm-hmm. of people that, that, that report to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of, some of it's just training and investing in them, uh, but it, it varies. Mm-hmm. Very cool. What about your, what is your kind of uh, one-on-one process look like? Like when you're actually meeting with people, how, how often are you doing that? What's the context of those conversations? How does that look from a kind of personal development point of view? 
Sure. Uh, we're in the process of a shift right now. Uh, we're in the process of moving to our, uh, a central leadership team. Uh, as we expand, we're, we have three campuses. And really, uh, we kind of think of it as four campuses because we have a dual venue uh, at our main campuses, our campus because of space issues. And um, so there are a lot of complexities to that. As you know, you, you want to keep uh, things very centralized and you, you don't want things to move in an organizational organization speaking from main campus plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're trying to keep things equal, the brand equal, the experience mm-hmm. equal across all campuses. So we're in the process of, um, of a central leadership team that will lead that. That central leadership team will report to me along with all the campus pastors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I meet with those, uh, those teams, uh, twice a month mm-hmm. and I meet with my, uh, individual reports, our campus pastors once a week, it's 30 minutes. So mm-hmm. I try to, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll, we tend to schedule an hour. I schedule 30 minutes found mm-hmm. if we can, if we need to go over, we can go over, but 30 minutes usually, um, um, suffices. Mm-hmm. And then my direct reports, uh, early on in the game, uh, when we just hire them, it's once a week. And then, uh, eventually it's every other week mm-hmm. that, that we meet together. Okay. Very cool. Um, I wonder if you could uh, brainstorm or kind of um, work through, let's assume, and obviously you don't need to get any personal details. Let's assume something's not going right with a staff member. I think that could be really helpful for people that are listening in. You know, they're maybe underperforming. They're not doing what they should be doing. How would you walk that through with them? What does that, what does that look like? Sure. That's a great question. Um, You know, uh, hard conversations are never easy. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, unless, unless you're an eight on the Enneagram and you you love them, (laughs) you love to blow things up and throw grenades and, you know, maybe, maybe you enjoy that. But for the rest of us, none of us like hard conversations, Uh, but obviously they're necessary in, in, um, in what we do. Um, I think hard conversations are easier when, when your staff knows you care. Mm, I think they become much, much harder when, um, when there's not a relationship there. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, again, when they when they know you want more for them than from them, I think those conversations uh, are a little easier. Um, and I choose to work close with our staff. So I have an open door policy. Um, my staff can knock on my door. They can come in and, um, I, you know, I want, if they need to talk, you know, I'll carve out time to spend with them and and navigate through personal issues and leadership issues and, and home issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think our staff knows that I'm invested in them. Um, mm-hmm. they are, they are our greatest resource above buildings and programs and all that. They're our greatest resource. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're having a co- hard conversation with somebody, th- this is what I tend to do. I'm always honest with them. Mm-hmm. And so I always start by affirming them mm-hmm. and honoring them. Um, every conversation, hard conversation, uh, I want to do two things. I want to honor them on the front end. And I want to leave them with dignity on the back end. Mm, that's good. And so I found if I'll do t- those two things, if I will honor them, what they've done, mm-hmm. you know, uh, their investment, who they are, um, you know, they're, they're a child of God, first and foremost. And, um, you know, they need to know that I love them and care for them. Mm-hmm. On the back end, after whatever hard conversation that we have to have, the last 10%, and we have the last 10% conversations often around mm-hmm. Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. We just mm-hmm. believe in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they painful? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but my staff can have the last 10% with me. Mm-hmm. They have the freedom to do that. Mm-hmm. And they know that I'm going to have the last 10% with them. Mm-hmm. But when all is said and done at the very end, I want to leave someone with dignity. I never want them to walk out of my office and think, 
uh, Matt doesn't care about me. Um, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't um, respect or, or, or honor my position. So yeah, that's Those very, just a few of, the, few of the things that I do. Love that. You know, I know that, um, you know, that last 10% for folks that aren't listening in, that's this practice of saying, hey, is there is there this last 10% that we're not actually talking about, that we're not pushing through? There's like the the part we wish we could say, but we're not saying. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's a really healthy practice. And to give your team, I love, like what you're saying there, again, just underlying what you're saying, give your team the permission to say that at the end of the conversation. Hey, is there something that you're not sharing? Is there some piece of this that you're not getting out on the table? Because I'd love for us to actually talk about it. You, you know, you're more than free to actually, um, you know, connect with that. So that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, You know, I'd say this rich real quick. The, mm -hmm. um, you know, there's always a gap between what you're thinking and what you're saying that makes conversations difficult. It's Mm -hmm. really that gap. I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's that gap between what you're thinking Mm -hmm. and and what you're, and what you're willing to say. Mm -hmm. And so that to me, that's the last 10%. That's the tension that you feel. And, when you can say that, it, it helps the relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. That's very cool. Well, just pivot and just kind of with our last few minutes we've got available here, I wonder if we could pivot in a slightly different direction. I caught on the way in as you're describing, um, you also do teaching, actually quite a bit of teaching, um, which isn't maybe necessarily a normal thing for executive pastors. A lot of executive pastors will do the, you know, they'll do the two times a year, three times a year thing, but I think you're doing more like a dozen. Um, talk me through that. What does that look like? What are you learning from that? How does that relate to your, you know, the rest of what you do? How do you see those two working together uh, as you lead in your context? Yeah, I mean, it, it really is a kind of an interesting dichotomy. And it's part of what I wrestled with in stepping into executive pastor position. Um, but God has wired me uh, to be a teacher. In fact, most of my ministry, most of uh, I was an itinerant um, uh, teacher for for some time. Okay, um, cool. And, you know, so much of what I love to do is, is preaching and teaching. Mm. Um, and, you know, I feel like most people would probably say it's it, it might be my primary gift. Okay. Um, cool. However, um, you know, I also love leading, and mm-hmm. I love I love staff, and so, mm-hmm. you know, what I've learned from the two uh, is you know for for and I was I go back in my story um, seven years of being at Twelve Stone Church. Uh, prior to Twelve Stone, I was teaching a lot. And then when I got to 12 Stone Church, it was almost like God asked me to lay aside a gift for a season. Mm. And so for much of that seven years, uh, my communication was limited within the uh, the walls of 12 Stone. I mean, I did preach some and um, I did. Obviously, I, I preached outside of 12 Stone uh, a decent amount. But most of the time that I was at 12 Stone Church, what I learned is organizational leadership. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost like the Lord asked me to lay aside a gift for a season so that I could, so that I could learn something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I became passionate about leadership. I became passionate about coaching others. Mm-hmm. And so when Jason uh, came to me about this position, he, he knew uh, that God had wired me uh, to be, to be a preacher, to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. But he also, he also knew uh, that I'm passionate about leading a staff. And so I live in two different worlds mm-hmm. and I like it. Um, mm-hmm. I like, I'm an adapter. I like change. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not averse to change. I enjoy change. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Sometimes our <laughs> staff feels like I might be changing things just a little bit too much. Um, yeah. but, but I love it. I mean, and so uh, just to kind of give you an idea over the next uh, seven weeks, um, uh, I'm going to be preaching uh, roughly five or six out of the seven weeks oh, wow. coming up. Right. Right. Wow. Uh, and so, 
to give Jason a break. And I think it just, it it's, so much of the church right now and the uh, who the church is, um, it just allows for this. It mm-hmm. didn't used to. It used to be mm-hmm. a preacher's preached and they preach, you know, yes. almost 50 times a year, 52 times a year. And um, an executive pastors led the staff and did all the other stuff. It just the, the modern day church allows for both. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. And obviously, you know, uh, folks that are listening in know that, you know, a healthy kind of team teaching model is really what we're seeing all over the country that churches that are thriving and making a difference. Obviously, there's a, some sort of core communicator, but there's usually a collection of other people around them. I just love that. That's so uh, fantastic, Matt. Matt, is there anything else you'd love to share? Uh, just before we wrap up here? Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, you know, there are there are probably leaders that were or who listen to this that were our, um i was probably i'm i'm 42 years old now but mm-hmm. in my early 30s i was really struggling with what god was calling me to do mm. um and um i really was passionate about reaching people who are far from god and being a part of an organization and learning uh from from leaders uh i had been self-taught leadership for so long mm. that i just desired so deeply to learn from those who had gone before me. Mm. Um, and so I said no to a really, really good ministry responsibility um, and, and, and job to, to step on board on staff at a church called 12 Stone Church, where um, I, went, I went there and you know, sat at the uh, seat of humility for, for much of my time that I was there. Mm-hmm. But my father always said education is expensive, no matter how you get mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And so for seven years, I got a chance to learn organizational leadership. And now in my 40s, I could not do what I do now if I wasn't willing to pay the price to sit at the seat of humility and to learn uh, from others. And so I, I know in our fast paced, fast moving uh, society where um, we look to climb the ladder, what I would say is lead with humility. Mm. Um, and just allow God to open the doors and learn from people that, that are ahead of you. And I love to do that. I mean, I've got people who speak into my life and, and hopefully, uh, people know that I want to be a part of, of helping others, mm-hmm. uh, where they are in, in their stage of life. So. Oh, that's very cool. That's great, Matt. I really appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much for, for giving us a little bit of a window into what you're doing. I uh, want to encourage people to track with you and to track with Bethlehem church. If people want to do that, if they want to kind of get with connected with you or the church, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, a couple ways. Uh, Bethlehemchurch.us. Uh, they can they can jump on our, our website. Uh, Jason and I are actually doing something called the uh, th- uh, uh, Revive Project right now, where we're trying to help churches cool. uh, in the revitalization process and through uh, conversations um, and resources. And so you can you can check that out on there. Uh, we would love to talk to you a little further about that. And then. Um, uh, Matt Pylon on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, or Facebook would love to uh, to catch up with you, to hear from you, and to help you in any any way that I can. That's great. Appreciate being on the show today, Matt. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Rich. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter 
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.